With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My guest at this time is Andrew C. McCarthy. Andy served as Chief Assistant U.S. Attorney in the Southern District of New York. He is now a contributing editor and columnist at National Review Online. He is also a Fox News Channel contributor. We wanted to get his thoughts after a marathon day of questioning for former Special Counsel Robert Mueller before the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees. And Andy, thanks so much for being with us. Greg, it's my pleasure. Well, the goals of the two parties seem pretty clear from the get-go, and we'll take them one at a time here. Democrats clearly wanted to make the argument that Bob Mueller and his team absolutely would have indicted President Trump, except for the fact that Trump is the sitting president and the Office of Legal Counsel at the Justice Department does not sanction such a thing. Here's Florida Congressman Ted Deutsch. Director Mueller, you found evidence, as you lay out in your report, that the president wanted to fire you because you were uh, investigating him for obstruction of justice. Isn't that correct? That's what it says in the report, yes. And I go, I stand by in the report. Director Mueller, that shouldn't happen in America. No president should be able to escape investigation by abusing his power. But that's what you testified to in your report. The president ordered you fired. The White House counsel knew it was wrong. The president knew it was wrong. In your report, it says there's also evidence the president knew he should not have made those calls to McGahn. But the president did it anyway. So Bob Mueller did say what the Democrats wanted him to say in terms of that the result was not no collusion, uh, no obstruction, like Trump says, total exoneration, that sort of thing. And we know volume two of the Mueller report is not kind to Trump, to say the least. But did the Democrats get what they needed or wanted from Bob Mueller in total today? No, I think today is really a disaster for the Democrats. You know, what what this was teed up as, Greg, was Nadler at the beginning of the day pointed out that in Mueller's press statement on May 29th, uh, he said that the uh, the Constitution does not use the criminal justice system to deal with presidential misconduct. Uh, it has another process that it outlines. And clearly that was an allusion to the Constitution's giving Congress the power to impeach uh, in Article 1. And Nadler made a point of playing off that uh, in his opening statement, he said that that process that Mueller was talking about begins here. That's the work of this committee. So this was teed up clearly as he was their star witness on impeachment. And it turned out that he knew very little about his investigation, that he was willing to say very little about his investigation. Um, he would not, I mean, on the substance of what you're talking about, he didn't give the Republican, the Democrats what they wanted, which was basically a clear-cut statement that it, if it hadn't been for the Office of Legal Counsel guidance, uh, he would have indicted the president or at least recommended the indictment of the president. He came close to doing that at one point with uh, Congressman Liu uh, at a point in time where it was clear that Mueller had gotten kind of tired and fatigued and punchy 
and he agreed with Leo's uh, leading questions that if it hadn't been for the uh, guidance, he would have indicted. But he realized he had made a mistake. So the first thing he did when he came back this afternoon uh, was clean that up. He said, you know, uh, I misspoke when I when I gave that testimony. Um, I go with what's in the report. And of course, the report says that they never even got to the point of considering whether to indict him. They interpreted the Office of Legal Counsel guidance to say not only that they couldn't indict a sitting president, but they couldn't consider indicting him. So he didn't give the Democrats what they wanted. Substantively, he didn't give the the Republicans what they wanted uh, in the sense the Republicans wanted a probe, all kinds of uh, investigative decision making uh, and wanted to ask lots of questions about the genesis of the investigation and the Steele dossier and uh, Joseph Mifsa, the Maltese professor at the bottom of the uh, Papadopoulos escapade. Those things all came up, and Mueller basically wouldn't give them anything. He basically said, no, uh, anything about the investigation. I'm here to testify about the investigation. I can't answer questions about the investigation. Um, So it was very frustrating to see them go around and around on that. But, you know, just the, the, the taking a step back, and looking at the overall effect of the day, um, what you came away with was that that Mueller could not conceivably have been the person who ran this investigation. He was clearly staff-driven. He didn't know very much about uh, either the investigation or the report. He didn't even want to discuss who had written a letter that he wrote on uh, March 27th to the Justice Department. Uh, he acted like that was kind of a big state secret that was clear that he had, you know, it was obvious he had gotten help on it. Uh, but the point is, all of President Trump's emphasis all these months on the um, activist Democrats who overwhelmingly make up the staff that Mueller chose for this investigation uh, a lot of people poo pooed that because they said, well, Mueller's a Republican and he's there and he's running the show. It was very clear today he was not running the show. We're talking with Andy McCarthy, former uh, chief assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York. And um, talk a little bit more, Andy, about Mueller's performance today. A lot of it was just him referring to the report um, and then lawmakers reading from the report and him saying, well, if that's in the report, then I stand by that. That's what I'm here to do is stand by the report. Uh, A lot of times he asked for questions to be repeated. Um, you pointed out before we came on air here about um, him scrambling and fumbling to just find the word conspiracy as opposed to collusion, yeah. and he just uh, didn't seem as sharp as most folks expected. What's the impact of that legally and politically? Well, I think it's, it, first of all, viscerally, Greg, it's very sad uh, because this probably is what Mueller may end up being, I hope this isn't the case, but it may be what he ends up being known best for. Uh, It may be his last big appearance on uh, the public stage. And he really has had an iconic career in law enforcement. So to see him uh, flail away like that today was was kind of sad. Uh, Obviously, the importance to the country is not his reputation, it's its the impact of this investigation, the genesis of it, the conduct of it, and, and what it held. And because the investigation's been so identified with him, and he clearly came across today in 
five or six hours of testimony as somebody who was not up to doing this investigation, that's obviously going to raise big questions about the the content of the report and who actually uh, was driving this train. And, you know, it's not just that he had a grope for the word conspiracy. Now, you know, any of us, believe me, I've, I've, I've done enough speaking where, you know, there was some obvious word that I couldn't come up with. And it's always uh, uh, it's always a, a kind of an embarrassing feeling when, you know, there's something you feel like you should know at the tip of your tongue and you can't come up with the word. But that wasn't a one off. You know, this is the kind of thing that happened all day long. And I thought one of the real low points was, you know, he had one Democratic congressman. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, he, he was trying to um, paint a, a heroic portrait of Mueller, which is not hard to do. If you go back into his background, there's a lot of heroism in it. But instead of instead of spoon feeding him the information, uh, he asked him, um, do you remember which president it was who named you the United States attorney of Massachusetts? And he couldn't remember that it was President Reagan, um, which is a pretty big thing not to be able to, to come up with. He actually guessed the wrong president. Now, you know, you could say that, well, it's because he's had so many important positions in the government, he can be forgiven for flubbing that. That's not really in the, in the kind of career we're talking about. Uh, and, and people who do what I used to do for a living, that's not the kind of thing you ever in your life forget, yet he couldn't come up with it. And, you know, it was just it was clear that he wasn't like sort of firing on all cylinders. He wasn't trying to to mislead anyone. He just uh, he just had a hard time. You mentioned the Republicans and what they tried to do. And Mueller even said in his opening statement, I can't talk about anything outside the scope and specifically mentioned the genesis of the FBI investigation or anything related to the Steele dossier. That certainly didn't stop Republicans from trying. Uh, you mentioned the questions about Joseph Mifsud. Jim Jordan was all over that. Uh, Steve Shabbat asked a bunch of questions on the Judiciary Committee about uh, a lot of different things, knowing full well that Mueller's answer would be that that's outside his purview. Uh, did the Republicans score any narrative points today, or is this just now at the point where we're kind of at a stalemate and anybody who's still paying attention has already made up their mind? Yeah, you know, I think they did score some points for those who are still keeping score. It'll be overwhelmed uh, in terms of uh, its impact by just the focus that will be on on how poorly Mueller did. But there are a lot of questions about the investigation, in particular, the the question of why uh, Mueller did not indict uh, Joseph Mifsud, the uh, Maltese professor, is one of the enduring uh, curiosities and mysteries of this investigation. Mifsud is a critically important individual, not that uh, that many people probably even remember his name at this point, uh, but he is the one who supposedly had the Russian connections uh, and told uh, George Papadopoulos that the Russians had Hillary Clinton emails, which Papadopoulos in some form communicated to this Australian diplomat who passed it along to the State Department, who passed it along to the FBI, which is uh, supposedly the cause of the opening of the FBI's investigation in July of, uh, of 2016. So, this is a very important piece of information. The FBI actually interviewed Mifsud, and he denied telling Papadopoulos the 
the information about the uh, the Clinton emails. And if there's one thing we know about from Mueller's investigation, it's that he and his staff knew how to indict people for false statements if they lied to FBI agents. And yet Mifsa, who is a central figure here, does not get charged with false statements. And while Director Comey, I, I thought quite surprisingly, came out in this uh, Washington Post op-ed he did a few weeks back and flatly called this guy uh, a Russian agent. Uh, the fact of the matter is, from from what we can detect, he seems to have a lot closer ties to Western intelligence services than to the Russians. So I, I think it's all very curious, and that's something that'll clearly be pursued, I think, after this hearing today. Andy, uh, last topic, and it's one we've closed on a few different times in talking about the Mueller investigation, but it still kind of baffles me, and it, I don't know if it baffles you as well, but other than Zoe Lofgren, the congresswoman from California, the Democrat today, I don't recall a single member, and maybe I'm wrong because I didn't see all of it, uh, actually spend a lot of time talking about the ongoing threat that Russia and perhaps other actors present to uh, our elections and our campaigning, which, as Mueller stressed in the report and in his statement a couple months back, is the thing he really wants everybody to take away from this. And uh, But when there's political points to be scored in one way or another, uh, it seems to get left on the side of the road. Yeah, well, to be fair to him uh, and, and fair to Congress, I think that there was a lot more of that, Greg, in the second hearing today than there was in the first. And the way they they kind of divvied this up. The first hearing before the Judiciary Committee was going to deal with obstruction of justice, and the second hearing before the Intelligence Committee was going to deal with uh, with collusion with Russia. Uh, so there was a lot more addressing of the threat that Russia poses uh, to the election, I, or, or poses uh, not, jo- not just what it did in the 2016 election, but the, the current and future uh, threat not only, as Mueller pointed out, not just from Russia, but from uh, other potential adversary powers, too. So they didn't leave that completely unaddressed. My, my beef with this throughout has been, as somebody who, um, you know, never thought of Russia as a strategic partner of the United States or any of the nonsense that we've been told since the Soviet Union fell, I've always thought of them as a, a kind of a hostile power, not a power we're at war with, but certainly a geopolitical foe, as Mitt Romney famously put it in 2012. Um, I I always thought that Russia was a threat. I think a lot of us always thought that Russia was a threat. And it was, you know, progressives and Democrats and a lot of Republicans, too, um, who were telling us that Russia was just fine and it was getting to be a normal country and it was one that we could comfortably deal with uh, and have commerce with and the like. Uh, Russia's been interfering in our elections virtually since the Bolshevik Revolution. And I don't doubt that they remain a threat to do that and will remain a threat to do that in the future. I just think it probably should have gotten attention uh, before it was perceived as being more helpful to Republicans than Democrats. And uh, I lied. One last question. (laughs) What's the the next big thing here? Is it uh, Durham and his probe? Is it the uh, Inspector General Horowitz? What's the next thing we're all waiting for? Well, I do think that it'll be the Inspector General's report, which we're now hearing we probably won't see until September. And that's because they've got more information that they've had to to work through. So that's that's interesting. 
But I, uh, overall, Greg, I think the focus shifts both legally and politically from, you know, impeachment and that bundle of issues to the investigation of the investigators, which is what the, the Barr-Durham investigation is about. It's what Inspector General Horowitz's investigation is about. And I do think this hearing today with Mueller is a good launch point for those who are interested in investigating the investigators, because, again, the big takeaway today is there's no way that Mueller was running this investigation in anything close to a hands-on way. And again, it, it goes to the question of, um, did Trump get the same quality of justice? This is a really more of a rhetorical question at this point than, than a real one. Did Trump get the same quality of justice that, say, Hillary Clinton got in the emails investigation? A good question to leave the audience hanging on. Andy, as always, good to uh, have you with us. Thanks for your insights. Thanks so much, Greg. Andy McCarthy, former chief assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District of New York, now a contributing editor and columnist at National Review Online, now also a Fox News Channel contributor. I'm Greg Corumbus reporting for Radio America. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.